Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair's senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. On this week's episode, another flurry of reports about Meghan and Harry potentially coming to blows with William and the Middletons. Also, the return of Thomas Markle. We knew it was coming. That anticipated sequel. Um, also, Megan and Harry are saying goodbye to yet another staffer who has an incredible nickname. We also have some amazing conspiracy theories from listeners about the whole Megan and Kate of it all that Josh and I hadn't even really considered on previous episodes. So I'm excited to get into all of that. But first, thank you to everyone who reached out to us about Musty Churchgate. Like, who knew this would be such a source of, like, fervored conversation, right, Josh? I love it. It feels Somehow it feels just, like, appropriate and on brand that this was something that, like, has become a gate. The air fresheners in the church scenario. Right. And as reported, um, we spoke last week about the report that Megan thought St. George's Chapel in Windsor was too smelly. So she wanted some hand atomizers to freshen it up. We had a few listeners, including Karen, who reached out via Instagram message pointing to a report that the fragrance brand Diptyque is claiming they actually scented Meghan and Harry's royal wedding. And they claim that Meghan and Harry personally chose a selection of fresh and floral fragrances that was perf- that were perfect for spring. Mysteriously, though, Diptyque doesn't specify which of the scents they used. Isn't that weird? I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they signed some sort of NDA. or. Well, it feels weird because if they're like coming out with this like quote unquote press release, you would think they would just go all the way with it. Why not give us a hyperlink too, you know, like the, the, the Megan Harry candle package. Like I would, I would go for it and I've never bought a candle in my life. Right. So I guess we'll just have to leave that up to our own imagination. I also love that there's actually a 2006 interview Megan gave where she says, quote unquote, fragrance is my favorite thing. So much so that if I leave the house and don't put any on, I'll turn around and go back home. Same. Me too. (laughs) I love every Megan quote that our old Megan quote at this point that gets turned up, I feel like becomes my new favorite. And this, this is like quick. This is rose the ranks immediately. Fragrance is my favorite thing. What if I what if you went on a date and you just said that to someone like fragrance is my favorite thing? I don't know how one would react. I, I wouldn't know how to get out of there fast enough. Um, but amazing. I love that we got so much. You guys are the best. Like we ask a question, we immediately get so many responses directing us to exactly what we needed to know. All right. Let's talk about this explosive report. <laughs> And before we even do this, you might want to clear out your schedule for like the next 90 minutes because there's so much to it. I was going through this report. I I read it on my phone, I think, in bed, like Saturday morning, like vaguely hungover. (laughs) I could barely take it in and had to put my phone down. Then I went back to it later Saturday and kind of picked through the quotes. And that's when I sent you, Julie. Oh, my God, the quotes of this because I hadn't even read them yet. Julie and I were texting about this. And then today I got to revisit it a third time. And boy, let me tell you, there is a lot in this report. Um, so it is from Emily Andrews. We should give her credit from The Sun, who is a very reliable royal reporter. 
what I liked about this report in particular was that it didn't feel um, weighted in one direction. It didn't feel like it was very Kate supportive. It didn't feel like it was very Megan supportive. It didn't feel like it was very William, Harry. It just felt like it was giving sort of the lay of the land. Everyone's coming off a little bit with different motives. You're all about that journalistic neutrality. <laughs> I'm also touting this as like it's a new Oscar winning movie or something. Anyway, so it's called Bad Blood Brothers. So basically the kind of headline is Prince Harry went mental accusing William of trying to wreck a rela- the relationship with Meghan Markle. And I don't know about you, Julie, but I was in from that headline. I mean, would would buy that ticket in advance to that movie, Bad Blood Brothers. Give it the popular film award that isn't even created yet at the Oscars. Um, basically, the gist is, so everyone's focusing on Kate and Megan. We've talked about this a little bit already, but that really what's going on is that this is a William Harry feud. The main thing that got taken away and aggregated from this Sun report was that it all sort of weirdly comes back to Diana because, and I'm quoting now from the actual uh, article, for insiders say it's problems between Harry and William dating back to when Meghan appeared on the scene that are fueling the fallings out. And Harry's overprotectiveness of his wife and refusal to see reason is the main cause of the chasm. As one courtier told me, it's my opinion that Harry feels he couldn't protect his mother, so he's going all out to protect his wife. This is his way of atoning. He will brook absolutely no criticism of Megan, and he is so sensitive, he often sees criticism or negativity where there isn't any. Um, is that a dream man? I don't know. <laughs> um, like, he's that defensive of you? Like, one can only dream of such a man. But the inclusion of them saying and his refusal to see any reason, like, they really have him as sort of this hothead personality. Does this feel like a characterization, Julie, that it tracks with everything we've learned so far. This really hit it, struck a chord with me somehow. Me too. I feel like this is the analysis that we needed. This is, we needed, I think I've said in past episodes that we needed some sort of context. I felt like we were missing a yes, greater context yes. and here it is. Right. Some of these other reports have just kind of jumped into the, uh, you know, act three where we don't even feel like we understand what's going on. This to me explained a lot more like getting into the quote unquote psychology of what's maybe happening here to bring it back to like the cinema context. Like it feels very um, like giving the character a flashback to like make sense of what's happening in his real life. Like, I don't know if life works out that um straightforwardly so that that, it feels like almost a very tabloid friendly story to make it all come back to somehow his feelings of loss related to his mother um but that said it kind of like fits neatly in the way something would cinematically i feel a little less guilty about gossip when there's some psychological underpinning yeah So we've talked about how it could likely just be an issue between William and Harry. This report is saying that they've uh, they've feuded before. They bring up the Harry's Vegas uh, carousing, which actually we're going to talk about later because Thomas Markle also brought that up this weekend. But they also turned to each other when times were tough and they were the only people who could truly understand their lives. Then Emily Andrews outlines that things got weird when Meghan arrived. The first hint of friction came after William was introduced to Meghan when she was staying at Kensington Palace. Once she'd returned home to Canada, Will sat Harry down for a chat, meant as brotherly advice. He knew Harry was already head over heels for the U.S. star, that's what Julie and I call her too, uh, but wanted him to take it slowly. A well-placed source said, 
William told his brother they knew nothing about her background, her intentions, what she was really like. He just wanted to stress that becoming part of the royal family is a massive undertaking and the pressure and scrutiny is unrelenting. Was Meghan the right one? Okay, but if there's anyone who has the resources to look into her background, her intentions, and what she's really like, I I would like to say that William could have hired like a PI. Oh, interesting. Right. It actually is true. Like in this case, wouldn't you imagine they would have had files? Talk about the Megan's binders. Or should it, like you would have thought William would have binders. You could easily find out a lot about Megan. She had a public They profile. could have borrowed ours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God knows. Hire me and Julie. We could have put that binder together for William in like 10 minutes. This all tracks. I feel like this is what we were saying way back when, that this was a little too fast. We don't know her intentions. I feel like this whole report is really just to... Uh, Vindicating ma- Exactly, us. <laughs> exactly. To uh, kind of make us feel better about everything we've done. The chat did not go down well. Harry went mental, said the friend. He accused his brother of trying to finish his romance before it had begun. The brother's relationship has not really recovered. I, I'm i all on board with this take. I can't really imagine. I, I We've talked about this, too. I feel like when you get involved with your siblings, significant others, that's always touchy territory you're veering into. And that I've seen friends have this kind of happen in their families where someone says something about someone else's spouse and next thing you know they're out of thanksgiving forever (laughs) so so i feel like that this is murky territory this is super murky territory and william was in a tough position because who else does he have to really band together with to have this conversation charles isn't as close to them i'm sure kate gave him notes i'm sure they did a few dress rehearsals and then William went in there, probably got... Sometimes when you prepare too much, then you overdo it sometimes because you all the nervous energy bubbles over, uh, not speaking from personal experience or anything. Um, so then I, I'm excited for your take on this, Julie. The Middleton family also voiced their concerns, it sounds like. The son understands other senior members of the family also, quote, had concerns, quote, and voiced them to Harry. As one courtier cautiously volunteered, a lot of people in the family objected. Who really knows what the concerns were? Was it Megan's background? Her father and dreadful half-sister? Because she was an outspoken American? Divorced? Harry stood up. I love those just open-ended questions that this courtier is just tossing in to the anonymous quote. Uh, Harry stood up for Megan very forcibly. He really loves her. Megan also faced some opposition from the Middleton family, who didn't want to invite her to Pippa's wedding last May. They feared, I know, they feared Megan's first public appearance with Prince Harry would overshadow the bride's big day. Eventually, she was asked, but chose only to go to the evening due. I definitely talked a lot about Pippa's wedding back when it happened and how Megan only went to the evening due, as the son calls it, which is the reception, uh, but she was never photographed. I will say that even not being photographed, I would say most of the headlines about Pippa's wedding were actually probably about Megan. So maybe the Middletons are onto something. It did sort of like maybe steal the thunder. What do you think? I mean, I, I don't think this is the worst line of thinking. I feel like I can understand where Pippa's family was coming from. It's a little, it's a, but it's also kind of crazy. It was like Harry's serious. They weren't engaged, but like really serious girlfriend. 
Right. It, this is all coming from a good place. All yes. of this. They just want to protect Harry. I am a little concerned just how much they make Harry seem like such a hothead. And everyone has like to kind of walk on eggshells around him for fear of what he's going to say or respond to. Right. Um, but, but I was curious how the Middleton family reacted just because it took, you know, Kate and William's courtship was so much longer. Of course, they were much younger when they began dating, but... Right, like how they were responding to all of this. It seems like in this case, it was more out of self-interest about Pippa. Right, which I don't blame them, too. You want the bride, it's supposed to be her big day. And then we get to the real meat of this thing. Oh Uh, my gosh. (laughs) Kate and Meg. Megan hoped that in Kate, another outsider who had navigated the choppy waters, she would find a natural best friend. But Kate was recovering from terrible morning sickness and her pregnancy with Prince Louis and was busy with George, now five, and Charlotte, three. A royal source said, quote, Megan hoped Kate would show her the ropes, but equally understandably, Kate was busy. She didn't have as much time for her as Megan would have liked. They were at very different places in their lives. Megan felt quite let down. She had really tried, but she felt rebuffed, and so she just stopped trying. Julie, do we buy this? But to be honest, this this feels a little more real to me than other reports you've read about their dynamic. Same, same. Well, first of all, Josh, your reading of this entire passage, the inflections, everything was perfect. This year, instead of reading like Night Before Christmas, I just want to replay Josh's dramatic reading of the Sun article. This is really phenomenal. This, this is like, might I'm be ch- your I'm best channeling work. every rejection I got in high school when I was trying to do theater into this right now. I feel like I could also see this being a sort of convenient way of her not if she didn't want to have to deal with like showing Megan the ropes this would be a way out of it also what do you think she spent many years making sure she was like studying getting everything perfectly I can understand where Kate might not have wanted to give Megan all the shortcuts it took her so many years to kind of figure out but I understand the distance from each each side with this report. This report makes a lot of sense to me. It also is starting to feel, and I feel like this the reason this report was so kind of like overwhelming is that there's just like a lot of different factors. It's not as simple as, I don't know, it's like human life. There's just a million different things that are going on in one's psychology and one's like objective day to day that can... I'm getting really spiritual here, but like, I just, I don't know. I just feel like there can be um, a lot of different things going on. So I feel like that's also why this isn't as easy as sort of the tabloids would want to make it, Um, which is also kind of why I like this report. Um, So then it goes on. Harry did not take this lightly and spoke to William about making Meghan feel welcome. William, of course, took his wife's side. After all, she was following his lead. So, it was kind of a, like confusingly worded a little because I was trying to figure out what that meant. So it sort of sounds like they're both going off of each other in a way, um, which makes sense, I guess. Like the couple, they they wouldn't want to... I'm sure Kate was looking to William to try to figure out... I'm sort of imagining them constantly sending each other screenshots of text messages to be like, what do you want me to do, babe? You know? <laughs> like, because I feel like they kind of probably were both looking to the other. Um, but I guess William sounds like the one who had more of the stance here. Right, right. I see both sides here. I can't really come down on anyone here. So the report keeps delivering because Thomas then gets roped in. 
Megan's father, Thomas Markle, was about to pull out of walking his daughter down the aisle after it was revealed he had posed for paparazzi pictures. Calm but collected, Megan decided her team should say nothing publicly and cut him off. Good call, we think. However, William, having lost his mom, couldn't understand ignoring a parent, whatever they'd done. He thought Megan was making a mistake. Even Charles, who dotes on Megan, asked a senior member of his staff to intervene. But the policy stands, and the son understands she has still not spoken to Thomas, which was corroborated later in the weekend when Thomas gave an interview, which we'll get to later. Um, I don't, I can't believe William and Charles wanted her to reach out to him after everything he was saying and doing. I know, especially after those paparazzi photos surfaced of him with all the... But it sounds like you were about to say you thought maybe it was a good idea. To, sh- to maybe to maybe to stop the whole maybe it would have I mean we don't know maybe that actually would have solved the whole problem I love the fantasy fiction version of this where Prince William thinking he can mediate the, these relationships like acts as the go-between between Tom Markle and Megan right Thomas Markle and Megan it does seem like William William was if we're taking all of this reporting to be pretty accurate I don't think I was ever really considering how much William would have been involved in all of this. Like when we were talking about the Thomas Markle stuff, I feel like we were never really focusing on like what William would have thought of everything. Right. But I can see that if you don't have your mom, he didn't have his mom on his big day. Like he's kind of playing that devil's advocate. I wonder if he tried to pipe up and say something to Meghan or Harry. Yeah. I mean, I guess it also makes sense if he's next in line to the throne behind Charles and, you know, this is going to be something that is going to be an issue when he ends up being who knows for how long. Um, It's interesting. It's like it seems like almost like a brotherly protective thing, an older brother thing. Right. But I just if anyone knows any of the royal family's like hot take on Thomas of late, please let us know. I I want to see those, like, documents, all the back and forth between the different palace PR departments. 100%. Uh, So, Julie, we're nearing the end of this, all the nuggets in this report, but I hope you are prepared for another iconic Megan-related quote to add to our arsenal. Uh, This is up there with what Megan wants, Megan gets. Megan is said to be far less intimidated by the royals than might be supposed. At a recent gathering of senior family members, including Megan, one well-placed aide remarked, all their IQs put together would not equal hers. People say that about me and Julie all the time about every room we walk into. That is a wild quote. And I need to meet this aide who said all their IQs put together would not equal Megan's. Right. I know. So who who was in there, do we think, based on senior family members? So that the means queen, the, I know, Charles? The, the Queen, Charles, William, Kate, Harry... So the implication is all of their IQs together, not equal to our girls. I know. And where is this well-placed aide? Why hasn't this well-placed aide been speaking more for this Megan? This well-placed aide needs to like take over right? the like whole PR operation or something. Um, right. This is like <laughs> Megan's only fan inside the palace. <laughs> Megan needs to promote this one. Like get, you know, uh, Melissa, Samantha, the Panther, get, you know, head on out, bring on whoever this one is. There, we need a diagram to uh, keep track of all of this reported kind of like shade kind of report veers into this section about how things have devolved a little bit. William and Kate also swerved a board meeting of the Royal Foundation this week, leaving Harry and Meg to go alone. They also missed the Christmas party with one insider, probably the same well-placed aide, saying it, quote, was a shame, unquote, they didn't attend. 
The source added, not only were Harry and Meghan there, but they went to the staff Christmas party afterwards. It was a very jolly affair. It's a shame that William and Catherine did not turn up. I want to see, like, um, Elizabeth Perkins delivering this, like, her character on Sharp Objects or something. I feel like you need the, like, town gossip to, like, deliver that line in its full effect. Right. Over, like, a Long Island iced tea or some some afternoon drink she poured herself before It was a very jolly affair. It's a shame that William and Catherine did not turn up. But I don't understand this fully. Why do you think... Is it that they're trying to avoid all being in the same place at the same time because they know how much of a frenzy that would be? I'm kind of surprised William and Catherine wouldn't go to the staff Christmas party. Right, because as Josh and I have been saying the past two episodes, I think, if like if we were the PR people here, we would put together some sort of joint appearance. This would have been the perfect situation. So it almost, to me, kind of supports all these rumors that they're that really something is really going on here and that they don't all want to be in the same place. Also, the breakneck pace of all of this royal news, this madness, it's almost as if they said they needed to keep up with, like, the Trump White House or something. So they're doing their best to... To, like, just keep up these... I mean, I have to say people are interested. Maybe this is all... Maybe secretly they're all getting along just fine, and this is just purely to uh, boost sales, so to speak. Okay, let's move on to, sadly... (laughs) We must. Thomas Markle. We had been wondering when he would return. Okay. So basically, he talked to the Daily Mail. Was his, they say it's his fourth interview. It feels like his 40th, but apparently it's his fourth. He produced artifacts this time, including some handwritten cards that Megan made for him. I'm not really sure what he's intending to try to get across with these cards. Um, The Daily Mail writes, they are touching heartfelt notes and elegant handwriting sent from a devoted daughter to the daddy she clearly adores. This whole thing kind of weirds me out. In one, she vows, all I want to do is make you proud, and I promise no matter what, I'll do it. In another, she thanks her father for taking the best care of me. I don't know. I just, I feel weird about, like, why, why do we, like, need to be seeing these cards that, like, you know, teenage Megan or tween Megan wrote to her dad. Right, the least PR savvy person off the street would have been able to give Thomas better advice. (laughs) Than like producing. Right, right. Like if he were to give any interview, he should give it to a legit outlet that doesn't pay for interviews, but he keeps going back. What is showing these handmade cards that Megan wrote going to do? That's not going to, I don't know. So Julie, I'd love, you want to read this quote that he gave that is up there with i don't even know what uh about how he feels right now i have been frozen out and i can't stay silent he said last night i have made dozens of attempts to reach out to my daughter via text and letters but she and harry have put up a wall of silence they have done what they once told me not to do they are believing everything negative that has been written about me so i am reaching out to them once again to try to correct the lies and get the truth truth out there Everyone says, why don't I just shut the F up? That Megan can't speak to me because I'll give away secrets. But that's bull. I've been accused of everything, every terrible thing you can think of. In one magazine, they had an awful story about Prince Charles right beside one about me. But no one is shunning Prince Charles. Okay, he, like, he has to stop comparing himself to Prince Charles. He has to stop citing the fact that he's reading all this press about himself. 
he has to stop speaking to the Daily Mail full stop. He has to stop furnishing any sort of like artifact, right? Josh, what else? Oh my god, I'm just I'm just like fist pumping to everything Julie's saying right now. You need to be Julie, you need to be his like Olivia Pope, Gloria Allred type here. And like you like all this is so on point. I agree with everything you just said. I cannot believe he's comparing himself to Prince Charles. I feel like he brought the queen into it once, didn't he, recently? Right. Well, it, it just gets worse from here. So, like, don't even... I don't know. So then he brought out medical bills to prove he didn't fake his heart attack, just normal royal stuff, including a stack of private medical bills, a hospital discharge letter citing heart failure, a list of medications... He said he had two heart attacks, the second of which a doctor called a widow maker that nearly killed me. He also shut down the notion that he wasn't at her first wedding. So because that, I guess, had been reported. So he actually showed a photo of them at the wedding. I guess it was right before he walked her down the beach alongside Doria. He even kept his business class plane ticket to the nuptials. According to Thomas, Julie is grimacing now in a way that would make anyone, like, turn to dust. Uh, (laughs) According to Thomas, Megan and her ex-husband gifted guests at the wedding with a small baggie of marijuana. It's, where, like, where is this tangent coming from? It's elite. Is it, like, also, he's so, he always works against himself. It's like, this is the kind of thing Megan doesn't want you to tell. Um, right. It's illegal, but it's no big deal in Jamaica, he said. It's almost customary down there. I don't smoke weed, and to the best of my knowledge, nor does Megan. I don't know what I did with mine. I think I gave it away. I kept the bag, and I use it to keep the sea air off one of my Emmys. What a turn. So he, we're meant to believe that, he, supposed to believe that he kept this baggy, disposable baggy that he got in Jamaica, carrying marijuana how many years ago in the baggy like i mean i do not use marijuana but i also don't think that marijuana would be packaged in a baggie big enough to cover an emmy right yeah good point i mean okay thomas markle if he ever wants to speak to his daughter again this would be my advice he should write a very short succinct apology letter released publicly not through the daily mail and then he needs to go on some like month-long like vow of silence in tibet he needs to take right don't you think he has to atone for his sins i mean i love that approach i think he just needs to give a clear message and then stop talking look what Kara middleton did she didn't do her first interview until like 17 years in um i totally agree with you julie um oh wait so does he okay sorry i was just going to say something about him selling these stories but josh has a little little well okay so he says they were close up until the wedding he also wanted to kind of refute that rumor because i guess some people had said that maybe they hadn't really even been speaking which i guess was the point he was trying to make about her first wedding so he said he has hundreds of notes and cards from her He says that she lived solely with him from the age of 11 until she went to university. People are trying to rewrite history. Megan and I were as close as a father and daughter could be right up until her wedding to Harry. He lost me there a little bit. Then it all fell apart. And he says he's not selling stories. I'm not selling stories. People make things up and my daughter and her husband believe the lies. The one thing they told me to never do. They think I'm giving hundreds of interviews. That's rubbish. I'm not perfect. I made mistakes, but my punishment does not fit the crime. Even murderers get visits from their daughters in jail. 
I have, I like, where do these things come from? I have sent several texts. Her number hasn't changed and they haven't bounced back. And so then, in what I'm sure is like a, the best strategy anyone could have advised him on, he decided to go after Harry. I've pleaded with her to pick up the phone. I wrote her a two-page letter and sent it by certified mail via her representative in LA. I asked her why she was believing the lies. I also pointed out the royals haven't always been perfectly behaved. I wrote that I've never played pool naked, nor have I dressed up as a Nazi. I even hand-delivered a letter to Doria asking her why our daughter won't speak to me. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... I mean, this also makes me question the people he's surrounding himself with, because is he really just that unaware? Of what, right. right. And also, to me, as I, as I said when we were just reading the Selling Stories quote, like, he's also not, something's not adding up here. Right. I mean, why can't he at least try, if he wants to give an interview, give it to like 60 minutes, give it to a yeah, reputable like He's talked outlet. in the past about not having made that much from these interviews, but like that acknowledged that he made something. Um, and also just to me, bringing up Harry's, the Vegas incident and the Halloween, it's like costume. It's just, why are you doing that? Like, of course, you're not going to get a great response when you're talking about the marijuana baggies she handed out at her first wedding and Harry's, you know, past scandals. Um, It's almost like self-sabotage or something. Well, right. Can you think of someone in the public eye who's been this self-destructive publicly, aside from the president, maybe? I don't know. It's just wild. It's just so weird, too, because it almost makes you wonder... I shouldn't even, and maybe this is what's going on, because it almost feels like he doesn't even care so much about getting in touch with her at this point. It's more just about kind of having his moment to speak at the pulpit and, like, say what he wants to say and, like, try to, like, defend himself. Like, I don't really even feel like at this point he's in it to talk to her so much. Right, like, the fact that he's showing all these medical records, he's just trying to disprove the reports he keeps reading about himself. Also, the whole medical business, I don't really buy the Daily Mail sign-off. I would need to see some actual medical records. Yeah, well, let's get let's get a different kind of publication weighing in here, I would say. Do you feel like any of this is going to have an effect on Meg, or will she keep the same approach that we were just talking about of no comment? I feel like she's the kind of girl who just, once she shuts off to someone they are gone they are dead and she is moving in a different direction i think it's going to take harry right to mediate some sort of i don't know maybe when the grandchild comes but it's going to take someone else mediating a resolution and like truly at this point like what what would she even like what would if i were her like i would what would you even want to say to him like there's nothing you'd want to talk to him about i feel like he has just become so over the top so over the top and just going back to you said after the wedding that he had really hoped to be that footnote in history this is feels to me like it's not over i'm sure we're going to keep hearing from him i think he even said as much in the interview i would say when you asked who's advising him i feel like this all feels very samantha-y I feel like she has proven with her Twitter account and with the interview she's given that she loves to kind of give some inflammatory quotes to really get the the news cycle churning. And I feel like this interview has a lot of that in it. Um, that even murderers get visits from the daughter. I, I see Samantha's fingerprints oh all over Samantha that line. Samantha was working on that in her notes <laughs> app for a few weeks, I feel like. Some of these quotes really seem tailor-made for like a Trump tweet or something. I... 
do not think he's going to have any success in getting any closer to talking to Megan. I guess at this point, we're going to just keep hearing from him somehow. And like, as long as he can, I'm shocked, honestly, at this point, he's still able to come up with stuff that makes the headlines it does. Because like, it's like, you would think at this point, it's run completely dry. But yet, here we go with this whole new range of topics he's decided to broach. Do you think that in since the time we've heard from him last, he's been pitching stories? Like, have there been stories that didn't even like get the out there that Daily Mail coverage? And finally, Daily Mail was like, "All right, we'll we'll sh- we'll throw this in the mix for another." Probably, I don't know. I, and honestly, you know, it's really going to keep this whole cycle going again when he becomes a grandfather. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Julie, tell us about Samantha the Panther. Okay, so as everyone knows, uh, Megan and Harry lost another staffer. What was her name? Melissa. How could I even forget? What was her name? How quickly we forget our heroes. Julie, that is sacrilegious. On last week's episode, Josh nominated Melissa's PR rep for Time Person of the Year because from someone no one had heard of beforehand, she has gone to incredible heights. Like the palace issued a very unprecedented statement about how much she had done. It was almost as if she was getting some sort of like humanitarian award. Um, And now we hear that another staffer, Samantha the Panther, is leaving. The pair's interim private secretary, Samantha the Panther Cohen, does not want to make her job permanent and has let it be known that she intends to leave after Meghan's baby is born next spring. I love that they don't even say Meghan and Harry's baby. She will help the couple with finding her replacement in the new year, the Sunday Times reported. Yahoo UK reported the resignation is not out of the blue. Cohen actually handed in her notice last September following the departure of the Queen's former private secretary, but agreed to stay on as interim private secretary to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at Kensington Palace for an additional six months. Her job was to help Harry and Meghan transition into royal life. But I guess that she was so... uh, so integral to the whole transition that Megan had hoped to keep her on permanently. A little more about Samantha the Panther and what a nickname that is. She is 50. She's from Australia. She's worked for the royal family for 17 years and is Queen Elizabeth's former assistant private secretary. She's originally from Brisbane. She's married to a dentist, has three children, and is known as the Panther for her feisty attitude and no-nonsense demeanor. Josh, what do you make of this all? I love that all these people, it's like they've been working in the royal family for this many years or like they worked for Robbie Williams forever and then they can only last like six months working for like Megan and then it's done. They just can't handle it anymore. I feel like there's an interesting backstory and if I know the Daily Mail, we're going to get it in a few days about what exactly went on it sounds like maybe that she wasn't always gonna stay on but like 
they kind of wanted her to, and then she said no. Right. It, she was done with working for the Queen Elizabeth, I guess, was asked to help out help with Meghan and Harry with the transition. So I guess it was understood that it was going to be temporary, but Meghan hopes she would want to stay on. I, but she, I need a like, you know, I'm, you know, in the Bachelor tell alls kind of special when the show's over and the contestants come back. I need a special where like Melissa, Samantha the Panther. Yes. I feel like there's others I'm not thinking of right now who should also be on this panel. All sit on some table and like Chris Harrison or some a person like that kind of slash you and me are doing it. Why am I saying Chris Harrison? Uh, kind of interview them from the couch because I feel like they must have these insane stories to tell. Also, the Panther was with the royal family for 17 years and then. Do they say what she's going to do next? Like, she's just leaving. She's now leaving entirely after this, like, short time with Meghan and Harry? No, it seems the Sunday Times said that she has been deeply committed to serving the monarchy. And, you know, now Meghan's just the game changer. She was until Meghan came on the scene. Oh, my God. I mean... I don't know what to say. I feel like also this quote you have at the end here, she was at the royal wedding and she's described as being deeply committed to serving the monarchy. Right. I mean, it sounds like she got the job. It was kind of a dream scenario for her. She had worked in civil service and public relations, joined Buckingham Palace in 2001. She answered a newspaper job advertisement for a media minder at the palace while on a trip to London almost 20 years ago. Would watch that Lifetime movie. In 2004, she gave a brief interview saying they really like Australians here. We bring something to the job they quite like. Enthusiasm and a can-do attitude. So the fact that her enthusiasm and can-do attitude can't quite gel with Megan's 5 a.m. texts, I'm a little confused. That What's interesting to me about both these cases with Melissa and her vegan smoothies, and then now we have Samantha and her can-do attitude, that in both cases, these actually seem like people who would be perfect fits. Like, that's what's also kind of interesting. Like, sometimes I feel like you would think you'd be reading the bio of these people and it would be like, oh, of course that wasn't going to work out. But in neither of these cases, I feel we don't know as much about Melissa, I guess. But like the personality and kind of the experience and the worldview seems like they would be pretty on point. At this point, it's almost like she should just bring in like whoever her PA was on suits or something. Like, like this, like these these people are not working out. The Brits are not jiving here. I mean, God knows. I feel like there are some suits cast <laughs> yeah. members who would take that job. No, that to say PA probably is like going. We can get higher than that. I'll come out and do it. I don't know. As long as we don't need to be up at five a.m., I'll do it. I'll look at all the texts after I wake up at 11 a.m. You would be so great. She would be ahead of the news. Curve. Oh, yeah. Like, forget Melissa's PR. I would rep. show her the tweets the night, like, before she's even seen them. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean. Um, Julie, let's talk. Let's, can you share some of these Instagram messages we got this week? Yes. Really thoughtful um, takes from a few people who brought kind of new perspective to all these reports about Kate versus Megan. The first we wanted to read is from 
Shireen on Instagram. I feel like Megan came into this role having quit her career, moved across the ocean, and decided I'm here to make the world a better place with all her vigor and ideas and 5 a.m. texts. And the British people, I used to work in London, are just rolling their eyes thinking she's delusional and waiting for her to accept reality that she'll do a bunch of tours and cut a few ribbons. Um, she also brings up the Netflix documentary on Diana and she says she thinks there's a huge concern for the palace that Megan could become that popular. That was a nightmare for the palace. And I suspect they're behind the stories also behind the reinforced vigor in Kate's new personality. Kate has to be the more well-liked Royal. She's going to be queen. Also, Shireen followed up. Also, Helen is great. Helen is great. We love Helen. Woo! (laughs) Love that shout out to our London correspondent. Josh, what do you think of this take? The first part of the take about Megan coming in here with her attitude of like wanting to kind of make change and get up early. I feel like we talked about this, the go get them energy. Um, I think that tracks completely. We've talked about that a little and this Diana point is interesting. I hadn't fully thought about it in the terms of the palace wanting to sort of like mitigate her popularity with these leaked stories. Because um, I feel like on one hand, these leaked stories kind of make the palace look very sloppy and like not in control of the narratives. Um, so it's an interesting kind of um, almost like conspiracy theory that they're the ones behind it, which I kind of am into. I don't know, though, because... You can't really stop this kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. I just sort of feel like the more they try to uh, kind of, like, put stories out or do whatever, like, that's only going to make her more popular, I think. I feel like you're all you're really doing is feeding the beast because it's like so many people are talking about her, you know? All right. I do love the idea, though, of the Palace Insiders giving Kate this, like, she's all that makeover montage, <laughs> like, trying to... And I do feel like that, whether subconscious or not, makes sense to me. That Kate came out of this maternity leave and thought, Megan's on the scene now. I've got to kind of like rethink my game, up my game. Um, And, you know, I think that that tracks to me. Right. Um, Here's another one. This is an Instagram message from Galley Notes regarding Carol Middleton's interview. Could we be seeing the first public punch in the fight to see who the most influential in-law family is in the firm? Carol's sudden desire to speak to the media is interesting, especially when Doria's upcoming interview with Oprah is so highly anticipated. Further, Mm. right? It's Megan's relationship with her mother that humanizes her when her more markle tendencies seem to shine through. Love the wording. Mm. Similarly, it is Kate's relationship with her mother and sister that seems to make her relatable. There's so many similarities. Carol and Doria are both professionally into wellness, that there might be some resentment from the Middletons that Megan and Doria are essentially stealing their script down to the embarrassing siblings, siblings, sorry, down to the embarrassing siblings. Remember James's initial drinking gambling snafu? Something tells me, though, that like... The Markles would trade Samantha for 10 James Middleton. I, I would say so. I am interested in this. I definitely think we were very intrigued last week when we talked about Carol's interview about what the motives were. I feel like we had some theories. I think this is a good one. I could see 
the timing is no coincidence. There's absolutely no way that they were not think- thinking through when Carol Middleton would give like her first interview ever. So the fact that it happened in the height of all of this feuding couples drama feels, yeah, I think there's something there. I also feel like Carol hasn't really been given a chance to like even let us know who she is or anything. Somehow I feel like I know Doria better than I know Carol. And we've known Doria in a public context for a a much shorter period of time. But like, I feel like from the Royal wedding and just from, yeah, exactly. Like the photos of Doria and Megan and when Doria came to the cookbook opening, like I just feel like she's been this kind of figure that Carol sort of hasn't as much. So maybe there is some sort of feeling of like, hey, I'm around here too, you know? I do not buy that it was just a party piece's anniversary piece at all. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I would love for Kate Middleton and Carol to like invite Oprah to some sort of oh my God. You know, family hang. I'd kind of forgotten about the Oprah Doria interview that presumably is happening at some point. I wonder when that will happen. I know. I wonder if Megan made them sign some sort of agreement that they can only air it. Like, once they're given permission. I wonder when that would be. That does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we have some exciting um, upcoming news, which is Julie is coming to New York for a week to make my my Christmas present come true. So hopefully we'll get to record an episode together in the same place at the same time. And uh, we might try to plan some sort of New York meetup. So stay tuned. Watch our Instagram and Twitter uh, feeds, as I know you guys do. And we will provide more information about that if it is to come next week. Right. Let us know if you would be into something of that nature. Yeah. We'd love to meet some of you in person. Please remember to rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners we love it you can also reach out to us with a voicemail that number is 347-790-0966 also feel free to reach out to us on twitter at in the limelight and you can follow us individually i'm at julie w miller and i'm at jay duboff we're also on instagram at in the limelight pod this episode was edited and produced by danielle roth thanks so much for joining us we'll talk to you next week and until then no no bad bad energy. energy